Good morning. For our scripture in context today, I asked Dr. Patricia Duncan, who's an ordained disciples minister, a professor of early Christianity and Bible at TCU, and member of UCC, her thoughts. She shared this. I like to talk about Paul's letters as an ethic of presentation, not so much rule following as much as being present to God and always trying to discern the right course of action or the will of God, moment to moment. This is much more challenging and rewarding than rule following. Paul's approach resonates nicely with the contemplative practices many people value these days. Tending and attending to the mind and the heart and the intellect is valued. And a list of examples he gives are pretty radically countercultural for our society at least. Paul stresses humility, competing to serve others rather than for status. Let us hear from Romans chapter 12. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Austin. Thank you all so much for the invitation to be here. Many a sermons have been preached from this very pulpit and in this holy place. And it's truly an honor to be the one filling it today. Thank you, Russ, for trusting me. The sanctuary has been a home for me throughout my faith journey. For the first time in 1996, when I made a campus visit to TCU to partake in the Christian Youth Leadership Summit. And then again from 1997 until 2000 when this was my church home and I spent many a days and nights across the street and the Disciple Student Fellowship of TCU. And then for ministers weeks throughout all of these years in between and then again on Easter Sunday morning, 2016, when I brought my family to Fort Worth after accepting a position at TCU. But you know, the truth is we all have a story to tell about this space at the corner of Canty and University. The people who have been a part of our lives here, the ministry that we have done together and the celebrations and also the heartaches that this sanctuary holds. 
We're all here because we are a part of something much bigger. First and foremost, of course, is the body of Christ. Second, the Christian church, disciples of Christ, who as a denomination, we are both humbled by and proud of the foundations we are as a people. One of those foundations happens to be the role of education and the importance of seeking wisdom when it comes to practicing our faith and ultimately following Jesus Christ. As a collective people of faith, our founders, well, they wanted to think critically. They wanted to ask good questions. They wanted to learn from others, broaden their horizons, embrace change, and question the status quo. Our denominational founders desire ultimately set everything else in motion for us as a people and our own discipleship. Sounds a little bit like the early church, if you ask me. So today I chose for us to turn to Paul, whose passion was to teach and to preach, knowing good and well that one cannot and should not exist without the other. There's a story of an eight-year-old little girl who was inquisitive and she was perceptive, and Miss Merritt, her Sunday school teacher, loved this about her. One day, the little girl noticed that all of the other eight-year-old boys in Sunday school were leaving to go learn how to help and worship. And as the weeks went by, she noticed that each of these boys that were pulled out of Sunday school had the chance to carry in the torch as she saw it that lit those big white Christ candles on the communion table that started the worship hour. She noticed that no girls were involved, and she noticed that she was not involved. A few weeks later, she asked Miss Merritt about it after class, and Miss Merritt didn't have an answer. But she told her that day that the two of them, along with her ridiculously supportive parents, well, they would all find out together. The truth is, no one had an answer. What they were told was like, it's just the way it's always been done. No one thus far had questioned it until a little eight-year-old girl raised her hand and asked the hard question. Because she was given permission to ask that question, she and Miss Merritt and the parents together changed the way that church saw girls and women long overdue, which in turn changed the way that the church began to live fully into the body of Christ. You see, for her, it was about 16 steps from her Sunday school classroom to the sanctuary, that's all. It was a tiny little disciples church, much like most of our disciples churches, 95% of them, in fact, do not have what we have here. 16 steps for her between education and worship. The in-between that day is where she started her faith journey. That moment that she got permission to carry in the light of Christ for the first time was her Christmas and her Epiphany and her Easter and her Pentecost. That moment she became the living and breathing light of Christ that shaped her for years to come. And all it took, all it took was permission to ask one simple question that needed a different answer. So the story goes, according to Paul, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is holy, perfect. 
You see, for her and for all of us, we cannot do the work of the church alone. We're not supposed to. The asking the questions, the experiences, the validation, the change, the challenge, well, that's all the work of faith. And it's not a one-person job, thank God. You see, we all have something to teach, and we all have something to learn. That was the beauty of the early church, and that is the beauty of our church. Paul's story goes, for as one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body, and individually we are members of one another. Paul doesn't define who is in and who is out in Romans because no one is out. We all have a role to play, and when we don't have everyone at the table, well, the work of Christ will never be complete. This is why we are still searching, and this is why our world is still hurting. We need to be vulnerable, church. Vulnerable enough to depend on one another. Vulnerable enough to say we need each other. That's the definition of strength, not weakness. A beautiful symbol of the strength we find in one another is right across the street. There in the middle of TCU's common area is Frog Fountain. This beautiful fountain is the home of four copper lotus stems, not lily pads, another sermon later for that. This beautiful fountain is, is the home and these lotuses are unique in that they rise above the water and the mud and all of its colorful glory. And because of the unique, unique ability to rise above the water, lotuses have always been associated with education and shared wisdom and knowledge. They know they have to seek and rise. Frog Fountain is truly special because the symbolism of those four lotuses, they depend on each other. If you go over there and watch, you'll see the water literally flows down from the tallest to the shortest, symbolizing the shared knowledge passed down from seniors all the way down to first years. But then, then you see the water circulates back up from the first years to the seniors, symbolizing the continuous cycle of shared knowledge. Essentially, we need each other at every single stage of life. And those who come after us have just as much to teach us as we have taught them, if we're willing to listen. The work of the church and the work of the classroom both are not done in silos, but in community and in relationship. We need each other for the story of Paul goes. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. The story of chapter 12 does not stop there. Paul goes on to say, live in harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty with one another, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. At the heart of Paul's own proclamation is what Dr. Duncan called out, humility. We don't have all the answers and we don't get to make all the claims. I have to believe what Paul is saying is also at the heart of education and the search for wisdom. So that got me thinking. That got me thinking about that sea 
and TCU and all the different ways that people have defined it and lived into it for so many years. Now, as disciples, we love that it is connected directly to our denomination. It feels good. We did that. Our people made that. We're a part of that. But if we adhere to Paul's teachings, we also have to be open to how others see that beautiful letter between the T and the U. Every few years, TCU Magazine does a story about the C and TCU. And over the years, I've read most of them. But the most educational, no pun intended, I believe was right after I graduated. There were five different perspectives on that C, all very different, but at the end of the day, also all very disciple. For some, it still means church affiliation, and rightly so, but for others, the C meant choice. The C meant challenging perceptions. The C meant Christian beliefs and morals and values, yes, but at large. For another, the C meant community. Community of character, community of conscience, community of charity, community of concern. Thank you, Dr. Don Mills, if you were here for those insightful words. And last but not least, the C also stood for critical thinking. Now, Dr. Jim Atwood, who for my generation of disciples, Horn Frogs, well, he's the reason we ended up at TCU, and his story went like this. The CNTCU represents the basic approach of disciples, not only disciples, though, to developing intelligent, compassionate persons and communities serves as a backdrop for what a university ought to be, a place where women and men are encouraged to think critically and to embrace firmly the need for ethical reflection and moral life. TCU is Christian, of course, but in a different way. A way that embraces diversity, not uniformity, inclusiveness, not exclusiveness, dialogue, not monologue. If the C and TCU is grounded in our denomination, then these prophetic words by both Don and Jim are also a charge to us, church, just as our founders of both our denomination and our schools intended. We are all here and part of this denomination because we are a thinking people. Because we don't want the sanctuary without the classroom, and we sure don't want the classroom without the sanctuary. That's why we have a Sunday every single year set aside to honor the role of both and the relationship in between. Our denomination is the intersection between education and faith. We have 15 colleges and universities built by our people. Seven affiliated seminaries and divinity schools founded by our people. And what we have in one block is known to no other entity in our denomination. Bright Divinity School, Texas Christian University, University Christian Church. Some would argue what we have right here is a trinity of truth. Where faith and good work, excellent education and wisdom and conviction and compassion is the gospel unfolding before our eyes. 
So the story goes, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. At the end of the day, we all have the same goal, do we not? To glorify God in all that we say and all that we do. Thank God for the crosswalks connecting the three of us and the steps that we have to take in between. Not unlike that eight-year-old and the 16 steps she had to take to make that same connection. We too need each other. We together can and are the kingdom of God. Now I know this to be true because I get the honor and the privilege to call my vocation and my career walking alongside young adults. And let me tell you, they get it. They are across the street because of the church. They stay in the church because of their experiences across the street. So the student story goes of Gabriella and Ella and Noah and Allie and William and Austin and Raiden and Tommy and Anna and Julia and so many more. Their story goes like this. The church instilled a sense of call in me to educate and to mentor and to lead. The university solidifies the call and gives me the skills and the knowledge I need to answer back. The church taught me the meaning of community that we aren't supposed to do life alone. TCU is just an extension of what the church has already taught that it is important to be fully supported in my whole self. The church taught me to care and the university pushes me to act. The church was my launching pad to the university, the foundation I needed to embrace the entire higher education experience, to be exactly who I am called to be. The church introduced me to the idea of God and community and education. The university holds me accountable in making them my own. They are, our youth and our young adults, they are the ever-evolving story of the church. Paul wasn't done in chapter 12, and neither are we. The church and the institution both have to work together. Our connection to one another is with our youth and our young adults. They are speaking and they are saying, see us, get to know us, work with us. They're asking the hard question, do our churches look like the classroom? Because it should. We have to ask the hard questions that they're outside asking, doing the important work of being diverse and equitable and inclusive. Are we doing the work of racial reconciliation? Are we truly open and affirming? Are we embracing the different face and the beautiful image of God that exists when we see others through a different lens? This is where higher education and the church have got to come together, TCU and Bright and UCC, because what we have doesn't exist anywhere else. The foundational work is here and it is alive and well. We have faith, we have education, and we have vocation. Good God, we are a blessed people.
but that also means we're called. We're a called people. So the story goes like this. Well, it's up to us to write the rest of that story. So that eight-year-old girl, Acolyte, well, she was me. It's the first story that I ever know that shaped me. It set me on a trajectory of faith and exploration that led me to TCU and to Bright Divinity School and to Vanderbilt Divinity School and then back to serve the church and ultimately to answer my vocational call across the street. Not one step in these 20 years have I done alone. Jesus himself has carried me by the people he has set before me and the people he put behind me to catch me when I fell and when I failed. It takes a village. I thank God that this place is part of mine. I also give thanks that our denomination and its founders who were bold enough to see a story that needed to be unfolded and weren't afraid to tell it and to live it. The story of head and heart and body and people. The story of the lotus drawing water from those above it and then circling and cycling it back. I give thanks for the radical interpretations of the sea and TCU that only validate the truth and the vision of our founders. I give thanks for the students who know the role of the church in their lives and embrace and affirm the church as a foundation of who they are. And education as their stepping stone into who they will be. And I give thanks for Paul who in his letters knew the work wasn't over and knew there were more stories to tell. So I ask you today, church, what is yet to unfold? That's up to us, all of us. So the story goes on the grave of TCU's co-founder, Randolph Clark, it is written. As preacher and teacher, his life exemplified the true, the honorable, the just, the pure, the lovely. And he rejoiced in the Lord always. University Christian Church, may we continue his legacy on all sides of university and canty and the 16 steps we must take in between. Thanks be to God.